Welcome back to After the Buzz of Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, before I start today's episode, I just want to say I made a mistake on the last episode. I repeated two segments. Uh, me and Colin were just getting into, like, it was a good debate we had uh, on the NBA MVP award. And unfortunately, I added the same segment twice instead of adding about the last 29 minutes of that debate. So if you were listening to the last episode, or if you haven't yet, go check it out. If you already have and didn't get to kind of hear the end of it because I messed up, you can go back and re-listen because I fixed it now. Uh, But now on to today's episode. Uh, In today's episode, first, I'm going to start by listing if the NBA season returns my top five NBA title contenders. I've got uh, one interesting pick at number five that's got a lot of controversy. Uh, and then obviously number one spot's probably going to come down to the Clippers or the Lakers. Who have I chosen? Has my pick changed over time? And then first fantasy mock drafts out there. Start. It's time that you start really thinking about your fantasy leagues. You start asking, where am I going to be selecting in my drafts? All of that. And it, um, it's a... Um, Mock draft that I'm doing, it was just with a ton of computers, but what picks did I do? What was kind of my strategy for this first draft? And did I pick up a potential MVP candidate in the 15th round? Uh, but first, we're going to get to the top, my top five NBA title contenders, so let's get to that. All right, so coming in at number five, perhaps my most controversial pick, which is, you know, you'd think it was whether I chose the Clippers or the Lakers, you know, if I choose the Lakers, you're going to have those people on the Clippers side of things trying to debate, even though it's really close. But my number five picks definitely my most controversial. Here, I chose the Philadelphia 76ers. They have a 39-26 and 26 record currently. They're in the Eastern Conference, and they only have the sixth seed. Sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, not that great, okay? Am I a big guy on the Philadelphia 76ers? No, everybody knows I've, I haven't been. You know, I've had my doubts about this team. They're not that good, you know, in, in clutch situations. They never really seem prepared. Uh, they don't really have players that really show up, per se. Brett Brown has not done a very good job with that team. They lack that bench depth, although it's got a little better over time. Uh, but why am I putting them at number five? First of all, let me tell you this. I did not, in my top five, I only have the Clippers and the Lakers from the West. I don't think you can put a team outside of the Lakers or the Clippers in the top five, truly, okay? It's just, no team is coming, you know, you may want to put one at maybe top, you know, the seventh spot at, you know, earliest right there would be the seventh spot, Um, but I can't put one in the top five. I got to go with Eastern Conference teams, uh, some team from the East. With at the number five spot because you just you can't really make a case for a team to go win the West over the Clippers or the Lakers. So you can't. I just couldn't put one in the top five. Second of all, this season's really only got three true contenders, maybe four. So the five spots a bit of a, a wild card. So why not go with the Philadelphia 76ers? Am I a big believer? No, I think the Celtics actually, if this season resumed today and it went straight to the playoffs, the 76ers would be facing the Celtics. I would probably take the Celtics in that series. So why would I pick a team that I think is going to be a first round exit? First of all, the 76ers still have a good shot in that series. It's not like, 
you know, on picking, uh, what the Orlando Matt, you know, who's the eight seed in like the West. Um, why can't I think of them? Uh, we'll go with the magic in the, uh, bucks right there, but it's not like I'm picking like the magic who, you know, they're not going to beat the bucks. The, the 76ers have a realistic chance of beating the Celtics. Uh, that beating the Celtics, even though I picked the Celtics in that series. So a lot of people said, why not pick the Celtics for this number five spot? Or even a team like Houston. Well, first of all, I already told you what the deal was with the Western Conference teams. And why pick Philly over Boston? I'm a Celtics fan, right? And I think the Celtics have a better chance of coming out of the first round. But who has a better chance at beating the Milwaukee Bucks. And you could also throw the Raptors in there. I think the Celtics have a better chance of beating the Raptors, but the 76ers have a better chance of beating the Bucks. And when I look at it and I say, between the Celtics and the 76ers, which team overall has the better chance at, you know, beating the Raptors or the Bucks? That's the 76ers. The 76ers have the most boom-bust potential. So that's what I'm looking for at this number five spot. An Eastern Conference team who has the best chance at dethroning a team like the Bucks. It's the 76ers. Not saying the Celtics can't do it, but the Sixers have a better chance. If they can get things clicking, you know, they can get things rolling here, they match up their size matches up better than arguably any team in the Eastern Conference against Giannis in the Bucks. They have the star power to do it. If they can just kind of get things clicking, get things rolling, as I said, and they have the size to slow down Giannis at least. I don't think you can stop him, but you can slow him down. They've got really good versatility um, and length to kind of get out on those shooters if Giannis keeps kicking the ball out because that's their whole thing. Giannis drives to the paint and either dunks it on your center or he collapses the defense and kicks it out to one of his shooters. It's a it's a simple but effective system. Who has the best chance of stopping that? It may just be the Philadelphia 76ers. That is why they are at number five for me. Am I saying they're going to the title? No. But they just have that boom-bust potential. Number four, I've got the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they're in the Eastern Conference, obviously. 46-18 and 18 record as we stand right now, and they are the number two seed. The defending champs. They were underestimated big time last season and going into the playoffs. Then after they lost Kawhi and other key players like Danny Green, people said, people wrote them off again. I think I had the Raptors as my sixth seed coming into the year. The Raptors rose to the occasion. No doubt about it. You had guys like, oh, sorry. You had guys like Terrence Davis, uh, undrafted rookie, come out of nowhere and have a great year. You had Pascal Siakam take huge leaps once again. You had Kyle Lowry really step up, you know, really continue that success he had last season. I was really impressed by Kyle Lowry. All right. He, he contributed very well. You know, he had this uh, small injury, but when he was on the court, he contributed really well. Pascal Siakam took his game to a whole nother level. This team really just surprised me. I think they're being, they continue to be underestimated. They were underestimated going into the playoffs last year. They were underestimated coming into the season. They may just be underestimated coming into the playoffs. Don't sleep on the uh, Raptors, not the Clippers. Do I consider the Raptors a serious contender? No, but that's why I'm willing to say there may be four contenders. I think most people think, all right, you got the Clippers, Lakers, and the Bucks, and then... That's about it. But I would not sleep on the Raptors. The Raptors could make it out of the East, and I really don't like their chances against the Clippers or the Lakers, but hey, 
you know, if you get there, if you if you have a serious chance at making the NBA Finals, you're a contender. You know, even if you don't match up well against the Lakers or the Clippers, you know, the supposed teams that will come out of the West, if you can get to the NBA Finals, you are a contender. Like, you have that serious chance. I don't care if, you know, they say, yeah, there's no chance they beat the Lakers or the Clippers anyway. You know, if you have a realistic chance at getting that far, you are a contender. And I think the Raptors seriously do have that legitimate chance. They've got good defense. Or do they, does their size allow them to match up? Uh, is they, They're not as big as the Sixers, but they're a little more deep. I think they can throw more things at the wall against Giannis and the Bucks, And I think they're a little more versatile than the Sixers, so they can get out on those shooters. If you want the truth, I think the Raptors have a slightly better uh, ability, I guess you could say, to stop Giannis. But it's tough because you look at it, the Sixers starting five, they've got four good defenders right there. And B, Horford, Josh Richardson uh, is all right, and then Ben Simmons. You've got, you know, and then Tobias Harris, you know, but whatever. I mean, they've got the size. They've got some versatility there. But the Raptors, I think, you know, you got OG Ananobi. He's got the versatility you're looking for. Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry. I don't know why I just hesitated for all those guys. But they are all really good defenders as well. They possess some size. So I like their odds to stop uh, Giannis and the Bucks a little more than the 76ers because, again, they're a little deeper too. So they've got a few more things they can throw at the wall. You also got to you know kind of keep in mind they have a lot more chemistry than the 76ers. So they've got a legitimate chance at making the finals because I'm not as high in the Bucks as some other people. You know, like I just – like Giannis, he's got more experience. Like I'm glad Giannis got that run in last year, but he's never really been that great in the playoffs. Like, he's just got to get, like, that next level. And some guys need to step up on that Bucks team. They're, the Bucks role players around Giannis are not as good as some people think. Chris Middleton's great. George Hill, he stepped up huge. They need a guy like George Hill again. George Hill was huge in the playoffs last year. They need a guy like him to step up. But Giannis needs to carry over what he does in the regular season to the playoffs. It's like he's a little gassed, which – COVID-19 may help the Bucs because they, you know, Giannis is going to be rested because he just gave it a, gives it his all in the regular season. And that's great and all. I love the effort, but that's why the NBA MVP award is overrated. Because if you give your all in the regular season, there's never enough left in the tank for the playoffs. And at the end of the day, it's what matters is, is can you succeed in the playoffs? And Giannis just hasn't, been able to do it. I know the competition gets a little stiffer in the playoffs and the effort gets a little higher. So, you know, it's it's very odd to see a player really technically well, some players like LeBron kick it up a notch, but it's it's tougher to perform in the playoffs. But handling the pressure even too, I think he could do that a little better. And that's, you know, not necessarily anything that's competition. That's just the the stage is a little the stage is set now. You know, the lights are a little brighter and but the Raptors, I really think, could get out of the East. And then at number three, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Eastern Conference, 53-12 record, best regular season team, uh, first seed as well. Uh, for the reasons I just mentioned, I'm not as high on the Bucks as everybody else, but I still got to put them ahead of the Raptors and all these other Eastern Conference teams. They've just got a really good system going. Uh, they nearly beat the Raptors. Like, I look at it like this. Last, last season, 
they lost the Raptors in six games, okay? This season, they've got a little more experience. Their roster's a little worse. You know, they lost Malcolm Rogan and whatnot, but overall, they have more experience, and I think that's what what's key for them. And the Raptors are worse. You're, you've got a little more experience. You may be even a little more talented. You know, I don't think there's too much of a difference. And then the Raptors got a little worse. So the Bucks, and you know, they really should be the favorite here. I, I don't count out the Raptors. Don't even count out a team like the, the Sixers or even the Celtics. But the Bucks are my top team in the East. And then it comes down to... The Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers. All right. If you know, I have been the biggest believer in the Clippers over the Lakers for ever really since Kawhi signed and they tra- you know, the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis and the Clippers acquired Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Ever since then, I was just like, it's close, but I'm going with the Clippers. I switched my answer. The Clippers are at number two for me and the Lakers are at number one. Why so? You know, many may ask, why have you changed your opinion? Don't tell me it's because the Clippers are the second seed and the Lakers are the first seed. That helps that the Clippers have that home court advantage because you have to keep in mind, even though both of them are in L.A., so I don't see it being too big of a difference, but, you know, they're going to have, like, that game seven, very possible between the two teams. The Lakers are going to have that home court advantage, and they're going to have more fans in general anyway. Uh, But the Clippers, Western Conference, obviously, second seed, 44-20 and record. Why? You know, I, I don't count out the Clippers by any means. Like, if they can beat the Lakers, they're winning the title. If the Lakers beat the Clippers, they're winning the title. That's how I look at it. I see the Lakers or the Clippers winning the title. Don't count out the Bucks. Don't count out the Raptors. But it ultimately, for me, comes down to the two Los Angeles teams. And why? You know, it's close between the two, but I give the Lakers the slight edge. First of all, You've got experience as duos. LeBron James and Anthony Davis have got the experience together. They click like they are peanut butter and jelly. They are bread and butter. Those two, the chemistry between those two is at 100. You know, if 100 presents the max, it's at like 105. It's crazy. Like those two on and off the court get along so well and their games mesh so well as, you know, and it's awesome. Not only that, I think. When you look at it, talent-wise, they have they check off all the boxes against Kawhi and Paul George. It really shouldn't even be a debate. LeBron and AD are a better duo than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They have more talent. They have more chemistry. They have more experience together. You know, Kawhi and Paul George load managed a ton throughout the season. Really didn't play together a whole lot. So, and I don't see the same bond between them as I see between. LeBron and Anthony Davis. That matters a lot, especially considering it is a stars league. It doesn't only come down to that, though. You know, there's obviously a lot of factors, but that is a huge one. The Lakers duo checks off all the boxes. Their duo is more talented, more chemistry, uh, and their games just gel a little better as well. I, You know, all those factors. And that's really one of the biggest reasons, not to mention the narrative to it a little bit. It would be a great story if the Lakers brought home a title the same year Kobe passed away. Like, that would be great. And I just see that, like, Kobe's just that much of a legend that I I see that happening. 
And that would be awesome. I'd love to see them bring home a title for Kobe. And I really just, you know, the Lakers are such a high contender. Why not? Like, that just seems realistic. They bring one home for Kobe. That would be awesome. So I look at that as well. And obviously, you have the Lakers at number one. They're the 49, they have 49 and 14 record, first seed in the Western Conference. It would just, again, it would be a storybook ending. And after seeing the Lakers win the title, I'd be most intrigued to see what does Anthony Davis do? Anthony Davis has had a top five season in the league. He's been a top five player. All right. And I'd be so intrigued to see what he does. Does he want, you know, he just wins a ring, right? The big thing with Anthony Davis was this guy's got all the talent in the world, but he never could have that playoff success. Sure, they swept the Blazers a couple years ago. Honestly, I give Drew Holiday most of that credit. Drew Holiday showed up big time, especially on the defensive end. And Anthony Davis did great too, but I really give Drew Holiday a lot of credit. Maybe even more than Anthony Davis there. And Anthony Davis just was unproven as a leader. You know, his teams were constantly failing with New Orleans, and he goes to L.A. and wins a championship. Now what does he do? He's a free agent. He can either stay in L.A. with his buddy LeBron, huge market, and he just won a championship there. But does he feel like, you know what, I've now I've now got a championship put in my belt. It's time for me to prove I can do it by myself. I've got a little more self-confidence now. People may be like, hey, this guy, you know, he could probably do it as a number one now. I don't know. I feel like Anthony Davis would really consider leaving, maybe for Chicago. Uh, people say New York. I really don't see him going to the Knicks because it's just – people say that all the time. They're going to land this big star, and they never do. Uh, it, and um, Boston was obviously a big one when he's in New Orleans, but his father really doesn't want him to go to Boston. If you remember, he said like something about – how they handled Isaiah Thomas was the biggest reason he does not want Anthony Davis going there. Isaiah Thomas had given his blood, blood, sweat, and tears. He had one of the best seasons in the NBA uh, the year he was traded. And then we just went out and sold him like he was nothing, kind of. So he doesn't like that in a way. But Danny Ainge just does what's best. And if trading your star players what's best, he will do it. He's proven that time and time again. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and then Isaiah Thomas. So... Danny, and it works, but, it, you know, I could see why Anthony Davis and maybe his uh, camp wouldn't really like that. But I don't know where Anthony Davis would go. I'm not saying he would leave. I'm just saying that would be super interesting. I think if he loses, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, sure. But if he loses, I think there's a better chance he comes back to L.A. If he wins, there may be just, you know, be a chance that he's just like, you know what, I've won a championship now. I've proven I can do it as a number two option. I love LeBron. I love it in L.A., but it's time for me to prove these haters wrong for sure and maybe put myself on the map as the best player in the league, finally. And Anthony Davis could really be interested in doing that, so that would be a very interesting storyline as well. Uh, But that's going to wrap up my top five NBA title contenders. So now I'm going to get to my... Uh, NFL Fantasy Mock Draft 1.0, so let's get to that. All right, so I did this mock draft a couple days ago, and it goes against a lot of things that I look to do. It's not my favorite team, I won't lie, but this is my first one. And here's some things you should probably know. It's 12 teams, including myself. Uh, The 11 other teams were just computers. Uh, It's a PPR league. I did this on Fantasy Pros. 
I just found I just looked up NFL mock draft and that one popped up and that is actually pretty good. Uh, I'd try it out if I were you. I was a snake draft and there were 15 rounds. I landed the third overall pick, which means then I had like the third to last pick in the next round and then the third pick. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. But with the third overall pick, my first round pick, I selected Michael Thomas, wide receiver out of New Orleans. Obviously, McCaffrey and Barkley went at one and two. I think McCaffrey's first, Barkley's second, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I took Michael Thomas at three. And you got guys like Zeke, Dalvin Cook, many others on the board. And I was actually, like, thinking DeAndre Hopkins could go up right here. And, like, I was having a bit of flashbacks, though, because in my league that I run, kind of my main league, Somebody took DeAndre Hopkins with the third pick. I considered it a bit of a reach at the time, but I was like, I really like Hopkins. I don't mind that pick at all. And Hopkins ended up, you know, wasn't that great, you know, to be honest. And Michael Thomas was a second-round pick, I think. Second, early, first, uh, late first, early. I think he was a second. And he ended up being by far the putting up one of the best fantasy seasons of all time for a wide receiver. I'm putting my faith in Michael Thomas to have a similar season again. DeAndre Hopkins could actually end up being the best wide receiver. Don't even get me started with Julio Jones. I'm not a Julio Jones guy. He's in, he's too inconsistent for me, and injuries are too big of a problem. I've never been a Julio guy. I, I know he has his big weeks, but I, I'm not, I don't like Julio Jones in fantasy. I've never picked him, probably never will, unless maybe down the line. I, I really don't see it happening. But why did I pick a wide receiver? I mean, this one didn't really receive criticism because it's Michael Thomas. But I'm hoping that he can put up similar stats. I'm not expecting the same season, but I'm expecting something similar. Really hoping, too. This is my third overall pick, and not picking a running back in the first round is very controversial to many. So I'm really hoping MT pulls through here. I just didn't really see any of the other running backs worthy of the third overall pick. If you want the complete and honest truth, if Barkley or uh, Christian McCaffrey fell to number three, I would have taken one of them in a heartbeat, whichever one was available. If both were available for some reason, I would have taken McCaffrey. But considering both of them were gone, I looked at really the third best guy I'd say was probably Michael Thomas here. And I, I don't know picking a wide receiver in the first round, unless it's like later in the round and a guy kind of falls a little bit. But I, I just didn't see any of the other running backs worthy of the third pick. And I looked at Michael Thomas and said, I think he might be, be the best option here. So I, I it's not my favorite pick, but I, I, I like it. I mean, the guy's good, especially PPR. He gets a ton of catches, so it's great. Uh, second, whew, just ate dinner, so... Uh, second round, 22nd overall. So I had to wait, nine, you know, what, like 19 picks to, for my next selection. This is where things get really controversial. I took George Kittle, tight end out of San Francisco. Oh, he didn't pick a running back in the first two rounds. I don't like it either, okay? But I think you pick Michael Thomas and George Kittle, all right? I think George Kittle's a little overrated. I'm not even his biggest fan, really, because you look at it, the 49ers don't even throw the ball a lot. And I think the guy's a little overrated, to be honest. But George Kittle just gets the job done every week. I mean, the guy just produces numbers. I hate picking tight ends this early. It, it, I really do. You look at, you know, there's not a lot of tight ends in the league that really produce. I, I got lucky with Austin Hooper last year. I picked him out of free agency, you know. Like, I got really lucky with Austin Hooper. And 
that, I don't know what else to say. There was just luck. You know, I picked him up off the waiver wire. Like, yeah, you know, why not? And he, he ended up having one of the best seasons before he went down with an injury. I don't expect the same from Hooper in Cleveland this year. But George Kittle, he's just one of those surefire tight ends. Travis Kelsey actually went with around the 16th overall pick, maybe a little later than that. But he won a few picks before George Kittle, which I was a little surprised about. Uh, I know the Chiefs throw the ball a little more, but I thought most people were just hopping on the Kittle bandwagon. But apparently, whatever computer picked Kelsey just thought a different way. I'm really if George Kittle got like hurt or something and just had a down year, this pick would be scrutinized so hard. You picked the tight end in the second round who didn't even produce. That would be bad. But I think I have enough confidence in George Kittle. Now, why did I pick a tight end? You're not, you know, Aiden. You don't really sound like the biggest fan of picking tight ends this early or George Kittle. The next best option for me is Amari Cooper. Nothing against Amari Cooper. I love him, but I'm not picking you know back-to-back wide receivers that early. And to be unless they're surely the best, you know. And I don't think Amari Cooper was surely the best talent. So you're saying Aiden just go with the running back. Well, there was really only one running back I considered because all the rest of them were going to be available for my next pick that was coming up shortly, and that was Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was probably the you know, he's the most popular option. That was the guy that if I didn't pick now, wasn't going to be available with my next pick. But I was okay with that. Miles Sanders last year started to get the wheels turning and people say he could break out this year, which is a high possibility. But I'm, I'm not picking Miles Sanders in the second round. You know, I know it's PPR, which really helps his value too. But I'm not picking, I don't think Miles Sanders is worthy of a second round pick. He may end up being a first round running back like by the end of the year. But I'm not taking that risk in the second round. Usually I'd go risky, but Miles Sanders isn't the risk I'm willing to take. I, I just need to see a little more from the guy. A lot I've heard people say this dude's better than Alvin Kamara. I need to see it. I haven't seen it yet. I know Kamara had a bit of a down year last year. I need to see it from Sanders. I think the guy's got a lot of potential. I think he could be good this year. But I, th- I think Miles Sanders is going to be like one of the better fantasy running backs. Don't get me wrong, but I need to see it and since I haven't seen it I'm not picking him in the second round I don't care if he's the best running back available so since I haven't picked running back is the most important position in fantasy I haven't picked one in the first two rounds so as you could imagine I really didn't even take a look at the other positions I just knew I needed a running back here so in the third round I snagged rookie Clyde Edwards Elair out of Kansas City people are saying oh, I like the guy but your first running back I know I know but I don't look at Clyde Edwards Elair as boomer bust. So like some people do like, why would you pick Clyde Edwards Elair? Like that's a you know a nice boomer bust running back too. I don't see him as a boomer bust. Like this guy is going to um produce well. That's just how I see it. He's really good. He's good in the pass catching game. He runs the ball solid as well. He's a perfect fit in that Kansas City offense. The things that do scare me is one, they don't run the ball a lot, but at the same time, Clyde Edwards Elair is probably better catching the ball. So I'm fine with that. You know, I know Mahomes takes a lot of deep shots. He's more of an improviser. But, hey, if they can get Clyde edwards dealer uh, rolling, I-, I am a little scared. I'm like, hey, how many catches is this guy going to get? How many touches are they going to give him? I could see at the beginning of the year him starting off slow. You know, they decide, you know, we're going to kind of ease him in. Damian Williams kind of starts as more of the starter. But I can see Clyde edwards dealer quickly picking up the system, quickly getting the starting job. And I don't see this as a huge boomer bust pick. A little bit short. He's not the safest pick in the world. But it honestly came down to him or... Uh, I'm going to go look at the draft board because I know I was pondering between kind of two guys here. 
well, you had kind of, who went after him here? After Clyde Edwards Elair, you had Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson, I you know, Patrick Mahomes. I didn't consider any DJ more. Uh, just a ton of wide receivers. You got Zach Ertz. Todd Gurley was the next running back, then Chris Carson. And I'm not picking I'm not picking Todd Gurley. Not a chance in the third round. I'm not oh my goodness. No, I'm not picking Todd Gurley in the third round. Uh, just because injury risk and Chris Carson, same thing. And then, okay. Yeah, I got this. Okay, yeah, I know. I wasn't considering anybody else. That was the fourth round. The fourth round, I considered between two guys. I picked another rookie, Jonathan Taylor, in the fourth round with the 47th overall pick. Yeah, 47th. Yeah, people may look at this as a bit of a reach, okay? And I could have taken Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I know. That may hurt some people. But Le'Veon Bell, just, I'm not a big fan of him with the Jets. I look at it because he can produce PPR-wise. He gets a lot of catches. Like, PPR-wise, that hurts Taylor's value and helps um, Le'Veon Bell. Plus, Jonathan Taylor, I don't know what role he's going to play. He may be the backup running back. Yeah, that's scary, but they picked him so high. I know Jonathan Taylor's a beast at running back. They picked him so high. I really think he's going to get a lot of touches. And I'm honestly getting really weary of this pick, but it was either him or Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's the safer pick, but honestly, I just rolled the dice here. I said, you know what? My running back core is already going to be weak, so why not get a guy that can potentially you know, get it up to speed? And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'm going to have to work my magic in a trade, but... If it does, now all of a sudden I'm kind of set here too. You know, a lot of people said I wasn't. Now I've got the wide receiver, I've got the tight end, and I've got the running back. So that would be great. I've, I picked a lot of boomer bust running backs for sure. But two back-to-back rookies, very risky. I'm not a big fan of this running back core, but uh, just the way the cards fell, I did not pick one in the first two rounds. So I'm just stacking up on running backs here. Le'Veon Bell does not run the ball well in New York. Why? Their scheme is terrible around him. You need a good offensive line who can give him those running lanes. Le'Veon Bell's not a power back like Derrick Henry or not some elusive back that really slips a lot. Of, well, he is elusive. But the main thing about Le'Veon Bell is his vision and his patience. Your vision does you no good if there's nowhere to run. You know, Le'Veon Bell's a smaller guy. He's not a guy that can just truck through. You know, Le'Veon Bell relies on his vision but there's no, there's nothing to see. It's just the backs of his offensive linemen and these defensive linemen rushing at him because the offensive line isn't good and they don't scheme him up to get any holes. So I, that's why I took Jonathan Taylor over Le'Veon you know, Bell. Plus again, uh, a little more boomer bust, which was kind of what I was looking for. Uh, but it was definitely a little bit of a tough decision. In the fifth round, I'm going with another running back here, 52nd overall. We just got to stack up. I'm taking Devin Singletary, running back in the Buffalo. I liked him this, uh, last year, and I'm really hoping he can at least be a running back too or like a, a really good flex. And when I look at Dev- Devin Singletary, he's they pick Zach Moss. So a lot of people are like, oh, they pick Zach Moss in the third round. Ooh, and they were really high on him too. How does that make you feel? I'm not worried at all. Not It may take Devin Singletary's goal line. You know, 
I'd say it takes away his goal line touches, but that was always Frank Gore anyway. Devin Singletary's not going to rack up touchdowns. I know that picking him. He'll get a couple of rushing touchdowns, a couple of receiving touchdowns. A handful. I'll give him a little more than two or three. He may get, you know, I'd say around five of each. You know, maybe five receiving touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns, something like that. He's not going to produce a ton of touchdowns. What is What he is going to produce is scrimmage yards and catches. And in PPR, that's awesome. You know, in PPR, it doesn't inflate touchdowns, but it inflates those catches. And Devin Singletary is going to be the team's main back and receiving back. Frank Gore, he's only getting older. He can still produce as a nice backup, but at the end of the day, the Zach Moss pick was to be the young power back that can produce, uh, that can complement your young running back in Devin Singletary. And while Frank Gore is still here, he can mentor Zach Moss because they're both power backs. I'm not worried about that at all. Zach Moss is not going to be their main back. Frank Gore obviously isn't going to be their main back. It's Devin Singletary, but if they're in those third and short situations or goal line situations, they're going with the bigger guy. But that was never Devin Singletary's job anyway. Singletary, if he can stay healthy, which is really the big issue, like he can't really stay that healthy, but if he can get a little tra- you know, a little traction, I expect him to miss a couple games most likely. And I'm kind of preparing myself for that. But if he can stay a little more healthy this season and get a couple games early on, where he you know, plays well and gets a little traction under his feet, he could really break out. And just with a ton of catches, a ton of scrimmage yards, it's still, I'll take 10 touchdowns. That ain't that bad, especially with the yards and receiving uh, receptions he'll probably produce. Sixth round, 71st overall. We're stepping back away from the running backs. We just took three in a row. And we're picking our wide receiver to complement Michael Thomas. We're taking Terry McLaren in the sixth round, 71st overall. This, Terry McLaurin, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere, but he's the clear number one option in Washington. It does scare me a little bit. His hamstring uh, made him miss, I believe, two games last year, one or two games last year. So I'm hoping that's all right. But this kid's just a young, deep field speedster. And, I'm, you know, Dwayne Haskins isn't a great quarterback, but he's got chemistry with, Dwayne, uh, with Terry McLaurin. And I really think if this kid, I really believe he can produce. And I like the value for a six-round pick here. With Michael Thomas, if Terry McLaurin play and Michael Thomas play up to these standards, like our wide receiver score is going to be really good. And I I just, I don't know. I like this pick. I really do. And I have that like little eeriness as he's going to have like a bit of a sophomore, sophomore slump or the quarterback's going to hinder his play or, you know, his hamstring's going to act up. I'm really hoping none of that happens. But I feel like you always have that, those doubts and worries with every player. But Terry McLaurin, I mean, if this guy can just build off what he did last year. And he had a, you know, he, he had seven touchdowns last year and nearly a thousand yards as a rookie. And he played with two different quarterbacks, missed some games. So if he can get over a thousand receipts, if, you know, if he can get, here's what I'm looking for for Terry McLaurin. You know, I hope you stay relatively healthy, but let's aim for like a thousand receiving yards and maybe nine, eight, nine touchdowns, like a little bit of improvement because he was good enough last year to be a starting wide receiver. If he improves just a little more, that's what I'm looking for from my second wide receiver. In the seventh round, 76th overall, I took the earliest I will take a quarterback. I took Russell Wilson, quarterback at Seattle. He was really the only quarterback I really liked left on the board. There were guys like Carson Wentz left. I'm not a big fan, uh, really, because of injuries, too. Uh, a bit of inconsistent. Russell Wilson, I hate the weapons around him. And he always has one or two bad games, but that's kind of the case with every quarterback. He just makes it work. I mean, this dude's awesome. 
Russell Wilson really good for fantasy too because he picks up some scrambling yards and their whole offense is revolving around him. So if the you know if they're scoring points, Russell Wilson's scoring points. Like it all just is centered around him. They don't really have that many weapons. He is their whole offense. So it's great. And I usually don't take quarterbacks. The highest I'll take a quarterback is the sixth round, technically, if they're really going like left and right for some reason. But realistically, if they go at a normal pace, the very early I'll take them is the seventh round. Usually I aim to take one in the eighth or the ninth, but in this draft. They were actually, they weren't going like really hot, but they were going pretty um like earlier than I thought. If I can see here where I took Russell Wilson. Okay, so I took, okay, yeah, like Dak Prescott had been taken. Kyler Murray was taken. So they were starting to come off the board. Deshaun Watson had just been taken too. So I said, oh, they're starting to come off the board. Sure enough, after I picked Russell Wilson, within the next... Nine picks, five quarterbacks taken. You had Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, which hurts too because I think Josh Allen could be good, but I want to go with the safer quarterback. Tom Brady, Jesus, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. Like they started really going and I predicted the draft right. Like I really saw them start to come off the board. I said, ooh, they're going to start going here. And I really only got like one or two guys that I really like left. So I snagged Russell Wilson there, and I don't regret it, honestly. I know I aimed to take one in, like, the eighth round, but you know what, I add a, I, you have to adapt on the fly. If quarterbacks are starting to go a little earlier than you intended to, you got to switch up your plan. You, you can't just sit back and, you know, if you if they're starting to come off the board, you got to kind of change up your plans a little bit and take one a little earlier than you intended to. So I snagged Russell Wilson. All righty, and then in the – Ninth, yes, ninth, uh, eighth round. I was gonna say that we skipped around. Ninety fifth overall, not a pick I love, but we gotta keep stacking up on those running backs. So I took James White, running back in New England. Quite the love hate relationship I have with James White. Twenty eighteen, he has the season of his career. He's popping off in fantasy, especially PPR wise. He had like over seventy receptions, and. My you know friend of mine had him in my league. I kept trying to trade for him. James White was one of my favorite players from a value standpoint in fantasy, because obviously I'd rather have, you know, some first round running, you know, first round talent running back from, from a value standpoint. I mean, James White was just doing incredible. And then after James White has this really good season, I go into 2019 draft. I'm in the sixth round and I'm narrowing it down between two guys, James White and Derrick Henry. Sure enough, we're in PPR. So I give James White the edge. I pick James White over Derrick Henry. Thank gosh I picked Josh Jacobs, I picked Austin Eckler, I picked uh, Melvin Gordon, who I then traded for Ezekiel Elliott, so I had, you know, Zeke, Jacobs, Eckler, so I really didn't need a Derrick Henry, but still, if I pick a Derrick Henry, now I can trade one of those four running backs and get some really good wide receiver, uh, and my team's actually in a really good spot because I've got, like, three first, two seconds, and three keepers coming up, so I can, like, keep all three of my running backs and then just go for tight ends and wide receivers. You know, I don't even have to really worry about running back. Maybe take one within my first five picks that I have in the first two rounds, so it's going to be awesome. Or I have, like, three seconds and two first, something like that. But still, um, since it's a keeper league, the first and second is really, like, the third and fourth round. But, you know, I'm not complaining. So... I took James White. So I loved him in 2018. In 2019, he totally failed on me, but I'm giving him that second chance, mostly because he's kind of just the best guy on the board, uh, especially for PPR. Uh, With Jarrett Stidham, 
I don't know. Like, I really don't know what to expect. I'm not a big James White guy anymore just because with Patriots running backs, you never know what to expect. But that 2018 year was mostly James White. And I'm just, I guess I'm taking James White here, one of my least favorite picks, but uh, we're going to roll with it. Ninth round, 100th overall, my selection. A good value pick here. We're going with our third rookie, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Dallas, uh, out of Oklahoma on Dallas, on the Dallas Cowboys now. I know third rookie I've taken, it you know, it's just goes to show what kind of boom bust my team is. But C.D. Lamb, I mean, he may not be the top you know, option that's going to be Amari Cooper, but he's going to be a very reliable uh, number two. Like C.D. Lamb, he's going to come in and make a day one impact. His game is pretty polished. I mean, you know, maybe he could get a little faster, but he's still pretty fast as is. Like he's already got a polished game that he can come in and make a day one impact as, you know, a pretty darn good number two wide receiver. So I'm going ahead and take C.D. Lamb. That's a good third wide receiver right there, uh, in my opinion. You know, with Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin, I don't have too many worries, but you still, you know, you never know. Maybe Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is going to be a top two wide receiver, at very least on my team. You know, I, I really can't see him doing much worse than top five wide receiver. But, you know, Terry McLaurin gets hurt or he's disappointing. I still need that guy. And CeeDee Lamb, I mean, he could be a nice, like, bench piece for me if someone's hurt or they're on the buyer. You know, he may even be a flex guy for me or even a number two wide receiver. I don't know. But, I like this from a value standpoint. Tenth round, we're really just trying to round out the wide receiving core here. Uh, with the 119th overall pick, I select Tyrell Williams, wide receiver out of Las Vegas uh, for the Raiders. He is so underrated. I know he, you know, missed missed some games due to injuries last season, and he's only got Derek Carr as his quarterback. But this dude, I mean, he's pretty good. I think he's really underrated. He does not get a ton of catches. He, you know, he had under 50 last season, I think, but he gets a lot of yards per catch. And I'm more of a fan of guys, especially for PBR, who rack up a lot of receptions. But Tyrell Williams isn't going to be that guy. So that does hinder his value a little bit for a PPR league, but he's going to get you those yards. He's going to get some touchdowns, too. I mean, I can guarantee at least six touchdowns from him, you know. And with Henry Ruggs, Ruggs is going to be like a decoy. Ruggs isn't going to take a ton of catches for, from him. You know, I think Ruggs still has to polish his game before he really becomes that week-in, week-out, reliable wide receiver. So, but you still need a guard. I mean, Henry Ruggs is just an athletic specimen. I mean, he's incredible. And he's still got that potential to just bust out any week. So I think teams are going to, you know, that's going to space things out a little bit for Tyrell Williams. Take a little pressure off him, too. So, I like this pick as well. And this is actually going to round out my receiving core. I know most people go with four running backs and five wide receivers usually. That's what I do too. But my wide receiver core is good enough. Like I'm good with this four and I need running backs. So I'm, yeah, I'm going five running backs, four wide receivers because my four wide receivers are already good enough. So why get a fifth when I need those running backs? And the 11th round, did I say... Okay, ninth round was C.D. Lamb. Tenth round was Tyrell Williams. Eleventh round, 124th overall, I selected Justin Jackson, running back out of Los Angeles, the Chargers. I don't know what. That was stupid. All right. Uh, but is it something I have with Chargers running backs? Is it, you know What is it, Aiden? Because you were so high on Austin Eckler. Are you this high on Justin Jackson now? No. But I really do like Justin Jackson. First of all, Anthony Lynn's the head coach. He used to be a running backs coach. He does just a great job, you know, developing these running backs and putting them in great positions to succeed. And 
Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson draw a lot of similarities. Like Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler were able to kind of have a two running back staff because Melvin Gordon was more of the bigger power back and then Austin Eckler was more of the elusive receiving back. Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler don't exactly complement each other like that, but Eckler isn't going to get every single snap. So with Justin Jackson, why not? <laughs> if Eckler goes down with an injury, Justin Jackson's going to be a hot commodity. I can guarantee you that. And even, you know, I can see them, even though they don't complement each other that well, still trying to get Justin Jackson more touches. I don't love this pick. I don't, I don't absolutely love this pick like when I took Austin Eckler later in the draft. But, you know, Justin Jackson, you know, he can get his catches. He's going to get his touches this year more than he ever has in the first two years of his career. So Justin Jackson could have some, like, flex potential here if they give him the necessary touches, if they want to run that two running back committee, even though these guys don't really complement each other. If I'm Anthony Lynn, I look at it and say, even though they really don't complement each other and not, Eckler will get most of the touches, I want to keep Eckler a little loose, a little rested. So Justin Jackson's going to get more snaps uh, in touches than he has in his first two seasons combined. 12th round, 143rd overall, I'm taking TJ Hawkinson, tight end out of Detroit. With uh, George Kittle, I was not worried about backup tight end, but I'm taking TJ Hawkinson here. Uh, I actually looked into guys like Mike Gusecki, but TJ Hawkinson was the guy all along. Last seat, you know, top eighth overall pick for the Lions, not last draft, but the one before that in the 2019 draft. And he popped off in the first week against the Cardinals, but after that, he was non existent. So why am I taking TJ Hawkinson? Well, with George Kittle already in the roster, just go boomer bust. That's how I look at it. Like, I don't need that reliable backup tight end. Like, last year it was reverse. In my draft, I took Eric Ebron thinking big boomer bust guy, and then I took Kyler Rudolph thinking a safer guy, kind of like that backup option, the reliable backup option. Obviously, neither really worked out, and then I lucked out with Austin Hoover. But TJ Hawkins, it's kind of the opposite. I've already got arguably the best tight end, George Kittle, so why not take a boomer bust in TJ Hawkinson that can either allow me to trade him for some decent, uh, in a decent trade, or even if he does well, maybe even trade George Kittle just to get like a huge haul for him and still have a reliable tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Like, it'll give me some options. So, and if TJ Hawkinson doesn't work out, like, if he doesn't do well in those first couple weeks, even the first week or two, hey, I can just cut him. He's pretty expandable anyway and just get some other guy. 13th round, 148th overall, took the Baltimore Ravens defense slash special teams. Four, uh, that was the 13th round. 14th round, 167th overall, I took Will Lutz, kicker out of New Orleans. And then the final round, is this the MVP? 15th round, 172nd overall, I took Drew Locke, quarterback out of Denver. This guy's so overhyped. The over, you know, Drew Locke is overhyped. This Broncos team is overhyped. End of story. But he's still an MVP candidate. I don't think he's going to adjust into the new, more aggressive system as some people think. I don't think he's going to adjust as well. But with that being said, he's still got the potential to have a really good year. Um, you know, they had Melvin Gordon. They just got Jerry Judy. And although I don't think he'll do that great in the new system, if he can adjust, he's going to be great because he's got the weapons. You know, he's got at least better weapons now. And with the more aggressive, you know, play style, it maybe lead to a few more interceptions. But, I mean, he could – you're not going to really win MVP just doing a ton of you know, short little check downs like he was doing before. Like, he has the potential to really be good. If he doesn't work, I cut him. It's fine. But if he does, 
Now I've got options. Same thing like with TJ Hawkinson. Like I've already got Russell Wilson as starting quarterback. Just go with the boomer bust quarterback. I know quarterbacks really don't have any trade value whatsoever in fantasy, but with Drew Locke, if he ends up being an MVP candidate, now he's got some trade value. Like if you are a very elite quarterback in fantasy, and then if like Russell Wilson goes out with an injury and Drew Locke plays really well, I've got Drew Locke. Or if both of them play well, now I've got options in a trade potentially, you know, like if you play like at an MVP level, then you've got some trade value at quarterback. Uh, but that's going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, go follow my Instagram at after the buzzer sports talk. I really don't post there, but if I ever pick up with it again, uh, and also go call in on the anchor mobile app. I have not had a caller in quite some time. So I'd love to have one of you guys call in. I'll answer any of your questions. We can have like a mini debate or whatever, uh, but you can call in via the Anchor mobile app. Uh, and if you don't want to get the app, just look it up on Google. It'll only take you a few minutes. I know you're all bored. Why not call in, you know? Uh, but again, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.